Okay, and we're live. So today we've got a great guest for you. It's Jenny Wiemert from Keller Williams in Orlando. So Jenny's specialty is farming. She's done really well with her farming business in the area in Orlando. So Jenny, why don't you take a quick second and tell us a bit about yourself and why you're here. Um, hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Um, well, I'm Jenny Wiemert. I've been in Orlando for 12 years. We have a team of 15 now. Um, we've, you know, I kind of started this business back when my babies were one year old and I decided I wanted to build a nice slow steady business over time and it went a little faster than I expected but the way we did it was through farming one community and then duplicating our efforts in in other communities and now we've taken that and blown it up into hyper local domination beyond just a community more to like a zip code and an area awesome so it started with that one area so how did you pick that initial first area we lived in it, and I, you know, like I said, I had um, premature triplets, and so I'd be out in the stroller with the kids and, you know, delivering flyers, meeting everybody, and I wanted out of my house so badly <laughs> that I would just start at every bunco group and, you know, mom's club and wine club and book club you could imagine just so I could have an excuse to, to get out. Good. But, it, you know, it just kind of built a community there. Okay. So before real estate, what were you doing just to give people an idea then? I was a teacher, okay. 7th grade science teacher. So why the switch into real estate then? Um, I knew that I I needed to sell something. Um, I, you know, I was a good teacher, and but I, I just wasn't feeling fulfilled. Okay. And um, I knew I needed to sell something, and my fathers were both broker owners of real estate offices. So I figured, well, I know how to sell real estate, so let's do that. Perfect. So when you got started, did you go right into the farm or did you do other lead generation sources to, to get started? Uh, well, I started selling in Texas before I had the children for two years. And, you know, I just hustled the business and took whatever I could just to learn it. And, um, but when I moved to Orlando, Florida, I needed to start and I wanted to start systematically. And I figured, okay, wh you know, who do I know? Nobody. So I figured I'd just start in my community and that's where I was going to be with the kids and I sold houses to, you know, the neighbors and the, um, you know, the kids therapists and the librarian and wherever else I was with the babies at the time. Okay. So can you describe your farm that you started in just so people can get an idea, like how many people were there? What type of community was it? It was a community of 400 homes and it was, an, you know, price, average price point of between two and 400,000 and, um, you know, I, I prefer communities that are self-contained that I can make a difference in. Right. You know, some of the larger communities here have different subsections, and you know, it's just hard to get a handle on it, and every community has its own personality. And so when you can really plug into a community, I think that's when it really takes off from a you know, farming perspective. So I try to find areas that have a personality or have needs that I can fulfill. Um, you know, something that you can put their identity, that kind of thing. Okay. So I like 400 to 800 homes. So the that initial farm, what were you, what did you do to, to initially get started in that area? Um, we, you know, like I said, I just connected with as many neighbors as I possibly could connect with, with, you know, whatever clubs I could start. But um, for the most part, I realized that the community needed to have a mode of communication they were not uh, communicating with our management company because we have uh, we have planned development communities here with management companies from our homeowners association. You know, neighbors didn't have a way to connect, 
So I started a newsletter, okay. and I've done a newsletter into the community once a month for the last 10 years. Wow. So how long did it take from when you first initially intentionally got started farming that until you actually saw your first piece of business? Well, I've always been very fortunate with that. It's always been in the first 30 days um, because if you're doing it right, you know, you're hand delivering those newsletters the first month. So you're meeting as many people as you can meet. And, you know, that little birdie told me that you're selling down the street. How can I help you? And lo and behold, you have your first listing. Um, you know, I always tell agents in our office that, you know, if you're going to set out to farm, you just set that money aside and and do it on purpose for a year you may not see you'll see the return in the first year but you won't see it take off until year two or three right where you start to get really good market share okay so that first year then for you how many deals did you get out of that neighborhood if you don't mind me asking oh i can't even i honestly i don't know i've always <laughs> had you know I, I i've always had 50 to 80 percent market share in there wow. probably since the first year now before that was there anyone that owned that area no, it was a newer community, okay. so it was just like the first turnover was mine. Okay. So how old was the community when you when you started then? It was brand new. Okay. It was like the builder was still in there when I was okay. still, when I just started selling. Okay. So now, other than the newsletter and the, the getting out into the community, is there any other types of marketing you started when you were first doing it? We do, um, you know, Easter egg hunts in all of our communities. And uh, we buy the eggs pre-stuffed, and we own a bunny suit, and if I, thank God my daughter's finally big enough to put in there, so we get to save that money <laughs> this year. <laughs> yeah. um, but we we go out there, and we're like carnies. We throw out the eggs, and the bunny takes pictures with the kids, and we're out of there, and we go to the next the next development and do the same thing. Um, we do that, and we do that again at Halloween, which we call an egg haunt okay. which, with orange and black eggs with flashlights. Yep. And we do um, Halloween night, we do the egg haunt, and then we do um, a costume contest, and then they're often running trick-or-treating. So when you're doing those events, is it sponsored by you, or how do you, you set that up so that people are knowing it's you, or do you just do it and then they know it's you because it's you? Kind of that way, both. I mean, you know, we take credit for sponsored by the Weimer Group, but at the same time, when we're out there, we're wearing our shirts, or you know, but we're not all in their face real estate. Right. It's all about them that day. Yeah. Um, you know, we may have a bag for them to pick up eggs, and we throw our, our business card in there or whatever. But the the idea behind those events is for them to connect with us, just putting that face to the paper. Yeah. You know, this is the person that gives us that that newsletter every month. Oh, that's Jenny, and then they see my car, and you know, then they see the banner at the football field and then they see that you know and then it's just you know it's just branding it spins but off the events are just for us to connect to them okay. we really try not to be overly obnoxious about it so how long were you doing your area before you took over the next area uh once i got to about i would say 40 or 50 percent market share which is extremely high yes. i would say you know if in coaching i would say 20 percent I and mean, would be good yeah um we we went and duplicated it in our second community of homes that was another 400 homes. Okay. And then how long did that take to take off? Same same kind of numbers then, same kind of results? We, uh, we, we have never gotten to as high of the, I, I would say I have about 30 to 50% market share in that market, in that community, and I've been in there 10 years. Okay. So if you want to ask me, how much do you spend on your marketing on a yearly basis, and what kind of return do you expect from that then? Well, in the farms, it, it, you know, it's a little bit muddy now because everything we do goes back to the farms. So, like, let's say when I first started, I was just doing those two farms. And, by the way, those two farms of 800 took me to about 
$30 million in sales. Wow. And then from that point, we put it on steroids. You know, so we realized we had to go and collect. And and by the way, for that, for that two, those two farms, we spent about $3,000 a year on each farm. Three or or 30? Half of one commission. 3,000. 3,000. Wow. Okay. That's good. Yeah, it's nothing. Yeah. It's half of one commission at the, you know, so it's just, it's a no brainer. Um, but then now we, we realize, okay, well with Zillow and Trulia and realtor.com coming on board and infiltrating our zip codes online, our little old website wasn't going to protect our market share. Right. And so we bought up all we could in the big four, Zillow, Trulia, realtor.com, homes.com for the zip codes. But then it just took it to a whole nother level, right? You know, so now we've got, we've got a, tr- you know, an internet plan over our zip code. We have our our direct mail plan into those those specific communities. We've doubled the number of homes that we're marketing into, um, and we have, you know, we do like the events, the local events. This weekend we'll be out at Avalon with a tent, and we do charity, and we do. Um, you know, taste of Waterford Lakes at the big mart at the big uh, shopping center. Mm-hmm. You know, so now those same people they're shopping where we're we have these events and they're they're seeing our flag at the football field and they're seeing our car driving around that's wrapped and you know it's just intense branding in one local area is where we're going now. But wow. now we're up at sixty million. Wow, per year. So in three years we went from thirty to sixty million. Wow. That's that's impressive because a lot of people fear that if they go too small with a farm, then they're they're going to lose out. And I I always tell people I'm like the the deeper you can go with it, the more you're going to get out of it. Now there's obviously a point of diminishing returns where you're not going to get see the results because you've already taken up as much market share as you can. But you, you've obviously right. found that sweet spot of how much you spend and what you're going to get out of it. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, there's only so many transactions you can pull out of four hundred homes. <laughs> yeah. But you know, over time, it's time you know, on task here, that makes a difference. Right. You know, that that those same 800 people have been in our database. So, you know, when they think of somebody that needs to sell or buy a home, they're going to call us. Okay. And so it, it's not just, we're, we're not just trying to get that listing out of that community. Right. You know, it's my friend, my uncle, my, you know, here, they knock on my door, you know, can you take this person out? They want to go see homes. It's crazy. And that's what I was going to ask you is how much of your business is directly from the farm and then how much of it is yeah, offshoot business? Sorry. Um, you know, again, our farm and our sphere of influence and our past client database and our internet, everything is so overlapped at this point because it's so focused. Right. It's hard to say, but um, 50% of our business comes from past referrals okay. and or like I guess is referral based which I which a lot of that is farm right it's a referral so from the farm it to all together yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's tough to tough to break it out so how much what would you say is the turnover rate in your neighborhood because I know that's an important thing some agents are looking specifically for a specific turnover rate they want 10% or 8% or whatever what's do you know the numbers for turnover in your neighborhood I think we're right around 10% okay a uh, good friend of mine in the office, Adam, I'm going to give him a shout out for the show because he's just been working his farm here in Burlington and uh, he's got about 250 homes and he's now, he's about to get about six listings out of there in the last, he's been working for about a year and he's just got really good, good uh, 
good numbers out of there. But what's happened now is he's actually increased the turnover rate because now people are seeing him selling the house and he's getting higher values for the for the neighborhood. And now pe- more people are selling. So a lot of people get hung up on it needs to have a 10% turnover rate or whatever. But if you can start with something slower or a lower turnover rate, you can actually, I think, create a higher turnover rate by creating more of a demand. Do you agree or no? Or? In an appreciating, in an appreciating yes. market. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because he's just building off of the market, and, and they were probably hostage for a long time in pricing, and now all of a sudden they're realizing they're not. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he's hitting it right at the right time. Yeah, he's, he's you know, done we're, very well. We're seeing less and less distressed, and more and more people being able to break out and sell, and the prices are becoming more attractive again, and you know, people want to go and move up and get out. Yep. So, for your neighborhoods, are you out there door knocking? Are you doing open houses? Like, what else are you doing in the community than other than the community events? Well, we do um, Fourth of July flags. Those are cheaper than mailing. <laughs> um, so, we, but our, you know, you put the flag in the yard and the postcard in the door. Don't put the postcard on the flag because they melt in our in our, oh. <laughs> in our uh, summer rains. So yeah. we don't do that. But um, we also refrigerator stuff, old school. Okay. The, they love them and they put them on the refrigerators. It's crazy. So um, we do those at Thanksgiving time. Um, you know, we'll do a couple of events. We do garage sales twice a year where we sponsor them. And what's beautiful about garage sales in our area is that they ha- they require permitting. Right. So they have to give us our name, phone number, and email so that we can get their permit for them, which is like only 25 cents. And then, you know, we're the hero. We get their the ad in the paper. We put the signs up. And, right. And just make it all happen. All they have to do is put their stuff out. And then... Um, what else do we do? We do, you know, like we just try to find ways to plug in. You know, maybe we'll bring in a paper shredder or, uh, you know, whatever. So it's just whatever the community needs, we try to fulfill the need. Okay. So and that's with, really all we do. It's pretty much a formula. Okay. With the team stuff, how long did it take for you to, to pull the team out of that? And how do you keep the team connected if they're not being you? Or like, are, are they out as an ambassadors for you or the team on your behalf? Or do they live in the neighborhood? They're not, they don't live in the neighborhoods and they're not, they don't necessarily plug into the farms per se at the moment. However, we did just have a team meeting yesterday and talk about that. <laughs> but, you know, as far as like the, the bigger stuff, like our, our events where we have the tents at, at um, the festivals and whatever, they come out and work the tent and represent the Weimar group. We all have our team shirts and, and um, you know, we have a lot of team pride. And if I needed them out at the farm events, they're always willing to come. Okay. But really, the the deep farms that are the 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 stability for our business are there were built on my name. Right. They, don't, they only know me, yeah. and so uh, and they're we've got them down to such a science. But um, you know, are the ones we're moving forward. We're talking about having you know each team member take a lead on a relationship in a different community. Now that we're we've gone all zip codes are trying to dominate well there's a lot more communities in there that we can build relationships with so right now originally we're talking about taking that through the team okay you had said uh the initial thing when you took the online strategy was more of a defensive strategy to stop people from coming in and that's helped you take over now are you getting a lot more of the buyer side of the business now from that well believe it or not um i hate to admit this but 50 percent of our listing inventory last year came from zillow Oh, wow. Protecting our market share. Wow. In now, Can- that is because, I, I'm not saying, I don't want anybody to hear me that they run out by Zillow. 
we we bought Zillow and we went deep in our zip codes, but we also have the top number of testimonials in in Orlando and top ten in all of Florida. Right. So it's all about the game in those in that arena, but listings can be had from Zillow if you've got testimonials out there where people are reading them and they go, oh, I want to work with her. Right. Yeah, in, I'm, I'm in Canada and we don't have the Zillow and Trulia stuff, so it's not as prevalent, but I know for you guys it's can definitely be a, a make it or break it for some agents in the area. Yeah. So what are you doing then to capture the buyer side of things? Because that's a lot of times people focus just on listings, but there's a lot of strategies that people can use to get buyer leads, which then in return can turn into listings. Well, I think our, our buyer side just comes because, you know, we focus on the listing. So um, per the theory, two buyers for every listing you sell, we we don't leave a stone un uncovered. So we really do a great job there, which in turn makes the phone ring for the buyers. Right. But we also invest again in those zip codes where other people are not protecting their inventory, we're taking their leads. So um, we invest heavily in those ZillowTruliaRealtor.com to make that phone ring. Okay. Are you doing anything outside of those to generate buyer leads? Do you do uh, flyer boxes and things like that, or is you doing anything outside of the outside of the norm? No, we did flyer boxes for a little while. Too many to maintain, too much. It, right. it, we had more empty boxes than full, so right. <laughs> that became a problem. Um, all, and a lot of that is just all fluff because really they're on the internet. Yep. We're going to a text to a lead system where text and get the, the house information. Um, we are moving to that and getting away from that flyer idea. Right. But I think, um, you know, really we just make sure that we are the contact people next to our inventory and next to others in the area. Right. And the phone rings off the hook. I mean, we. We don't really have to do open houses. Our agents just don't have time, to be yeah, honest. For sure. um, we just, the, the phone just constantly rings. And then because I've been in the business for 14 years now, um, you know, that referral business is, is steady. Mm -hmm. And our, I've got buyer's agents that have been working me for me. Like one has been with me for 11 years, wow. three years, another one, three years. So their database is pretty deep as well, you know, intertwined with mine, mm -hmm. and they're working off a lot of referrals. So, you know, if you do the right thing and you treat people the right way and you bring value to, to the community, you know, they want to give back. Okay. Now, I know um, a lot of times when people list, do uh, sorry, when they farm a neighborhood, they build up a really large database of buyers and then that's one of the benefits and the features when they go to a, a listing appointment they say we've got x amount of buyers looking specifically in your neighborhood so do you do anything with keeping those do you, do you work those or do you just have the buyers do you do you do anything to proactively stay in contact with those buyer leads you know to be honest with you we've chosen not to okay um we have been trying to manage all that data and it didn't bring us anything more than what if our buyers agents were to take the calls and convert the leads. Right. Um, and I have also found that, you know, with five different buyer's agents with different personalities and different approaches, who are all very good, and at the time, I were to ask them to, if I, if I were to micromanage them and market this way and do that, I think it would, it would almost hinder them. Right. So I allow them to manage their buyer leads however they want to manage them. Some do it in a notebook and some do it on a edge and some have an Excel spreadsheet. But quite honestly, I don't want buyer data in our database, our mothership database, 
mucking it up when we don't really have a relationship with them. Right. I only want them in our database if we have a relationship with them, if they're likely to refer to us, or if they're a past client. Okay. So you're getting rid even of the, our, the junk. Even our farms are not in our database. Only if they've put their hand up and said, I know who you are, they've plugged into us in some way, and we have contact information. Right. Um, I don't just, I just don't believe in muddied up databases. Yeah. It streamlines it and it saves you time and money, obviously. It does. And I, you know, I just, managing all that data becomes overwhelming and impossible and it doesn't generate anything. Right. We can search it quickly. I mean, you know, each of our lead sources kind of manages the database for us. So if I needed to go into Trulia and search something, I can find it, right. you know. But they, they all manage it. They know who they have and it, it hasn't become a problem. Okay. So I'm, I'm assuming you don't do anything with the the agents that come in as well. Like I know sometimes people will create a list of agents that have been through their things and then anytime they get a new listing, they blast it out to them and keep them up to date. We do have a pre-list in inventory email that goes out to our agent. Okay. Um, so our, our listing, listing marketing assistant um, keeps an you know, up-and-coming email. So, you know, be on the lookout. Here's what's coming. Here's what just listed. That goes out to the um, our agents once a week. Okay. Before things hit. Do you do uh, exclusive listings ahead of time to try to get uh, interest or anything like that? No, because you know, again, those little tricks may get you one or two deals, but they also get you a bad reputation in the marketplace. And um, I want to be doing this business for the next twenty years, and I can't afford that. Okay. So. Um, I don't want to upset the agents in my marketplace and thinking that I'm pocketing listings and or underpricing listings and having a big, big old bidding war so that my agents can sell it. And you know, I, we just don't play those games. We play it really straight. Okay. Do you? So you said you've taken over other areas other than the two farm areas. What are you at now? Like, how many people are you actively uh, targeting, or how many houses? Well, we're probably close to 10,000. Um, you know, we, we've bumped it up to the two zip codes because for the internet, you can cover zip codes. Right. Um, there are some parts that we're not, you know, like we do some direct mailing now. Uh, we're doing at least 5,000 pieces every two weeks. But it, we're, you know, it's targeted again into communities that we've touched or we think that would recognize us or know us or have done business with us. You know, so you know, we don't target every every house in those zip codes with our direct mail but um and then we're looking at trying to you know we're really big into trying to bring value to communities and be able to scale that and not you know not everything is going to be able to be so intimate like our original uh, neighborhoods you know with all yeah. the parties and all of that i mean it's just it just becomes impossible to yeah. be able to do that but um you know how can we scale that reputation and uh, yet stay in front of them and bring value to them so we're that's what we're going to next is okay here we go you know okay what what kind of uh, market share you would be you be happy with on those types of neighborhoods then well it's interesting in the one zip code 32828 I just ran some rough numbers and recently and you know we have about 13 percent market share if you include our buy and sell sites right and um, you know, it just occurred to me, you know, with all these agents and teams, everybody talking about expansion, and I'm like, you know, I don't need to go across town and expand to another marketplace. I can be in this zip code and get 85% more market share. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why am I going anywhere else? So, 
you know, we just had a team meeting yesterday and we were talking about, you know, going to another area and door knocking and starting farming. I'm like, listen, if you were just to go in the neighborhoods we're, we're in now and door turn, because they've seen us, they've gotten the mailings, they've yep. got, they see our car driving around, they've seen us at the events. Why are we talking about a different area? Yeah. We don't, we have only 13% market share and we're rocking. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're going deep with so it rather than going so wide. more to get. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So if, pe if people are thinking about starting a farm or maybe have already started one, what would you say is a good advice for them to get it, to kick it up a notch, to take it from that 5% or 10% to get it to the next level? What would be a good step for people? Well, I mean, again, I mean, you can go right into a zip code too. I mean, or find the lakefront homes or find whatever, but you just have to know what is the personality of the community? How can you connect? You know, I had somebody the other day saying, well, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, I've started a farm, and I'm running in there on Saturdays. And if somebody's out, I stop and talk to them. You know, instead of running in their community, they're running in that community. You know, they're driving through with their magnets on their car every two days, you know, just checking things out. Know who the renters are, who know who the owners are, who are the players, who are the moms, who are the, you know, you just have to know everything. Where are they eating? Where are they shopping? What value can they bring? Do they need a new front entrance sign? Help them get a grant for that, you know. Mm -hmm whatever that is but you have to plug in okay the direct mail is only you know that's good if they're in the right place at the right time and they're thinking about selling now they're going to notice you everywhere they're going to watch your signs they're going to see your car and they're going to want to help you mm -hmm. so i you know they just have to they have to plug in they have to figure out and not every community is going to have the same needs or the same personality right and by going deep, you'll know what those important things are, and you'll 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 have your finger on the pulse, and you'll know what's important to them. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's schools, and that's where you go find the busybody moms and get involved in the school. Right. You know, and if you have a school background, or you know, also plug into what you're good at. You know, I was an ex-teacher, so throwing an Easter egg hunt is a no-brainer for me. That was easy. <laughs> yeah. You know, that may not be easy for a 50-year-old male, you know, like <laughs> yeah. to be out there throwing yeah. an Easter egg hunt and feel good about it. Might you be know? a little creepy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but maybe door knocking and asking, you know, doing a survey and would you like to, us to email you the survey when it's completed to hear what other neighbors are saying about your community? You know, maybe that's easier, you yeah. know, something like that. But that's, you know, if I were to start a new community, well, as a matter of fact, yesterday our team talked about blitzing a community, taking all 16 of us and... 15 now um into the community wearing our shirts everybody go out with a survey tell me what you like about your community what would you like to see improved you know how do you think we could plug in and then get their contact information and then email the survey results back out to them and hmm. you know just do a blitz well yeah so what would you say are the things that you've done in the past that were a waste of time because i know a lot of people are worried especially if they're getting started and they're maybe on a limited budget and they don't want to waste their money or waste their time what would you say things that you've tried that just didn't work or you would never do again or maybe didn't work as well as you would have hoped well you don't have to be the fanciest shiniest piece of paper it just has to be there every month so mine has always been in black and white on yellow paper it's not color and shiny and glossy um you, I, you know, you, more money doesn't necessarily net more results. So, like, the 4th of July party that I threw at the big bounce house and the hot dogs and rented the grill and the clown and 10 people show up, dollar Easter egg hunt that I throw and, you know, 80 to 100 people show up. It's not about, you know, it's just picking, picking events or picking times that you'll get the biggest 
return. But summer months, mm. events, those are expensive, and, and people are traveling, and right. they're distracted. You know, Easter egg hunt, it's a slam dunk every time. People get to check it off the list, and, and you know, they say they've been had their kid at an Easter egg hunt, and they're happy, and they, they go home. Mm. And they're only there for 20 minutes. It's a beautiful thing. Okay. But, I, you know, just, you don't have, I think people think that it has to be perfect content, perfect paper shiny it, none of that has to happen it has to just be consistent consistent and and have a servant heart you know if you have a servant heart and you come from contribution and you want to make people's lives better that's going to be the message that's sent and they'll return the favor okay now do doesn't you do have to cost much money for when you have buyers coming into your neighborhood to say they're buying your listings or they're moving into your neighborhood, do you do anything specific to target those or try to convert them into your own uh, clients, or do you just do your normal marketing and hope that they convert? Um, can you ask that question one more time? Do you do anything for when buyers are coming, say they come with another agent and they buy one of your listings, and now they're a new member in your community. Do you do anything to specifically target them to get them into business, or do you just send out your general marketing and then hope that they'll convert into a, a new sale? Yeah, we, right now, I mean, uh, yeah, we just we just send out our general marketing. We make sure we go to those closings and build a relationship. And, you know, if you ever need anything, you know, your agent's protected. But, you know, there's the um, if you ever need sugar or something, we're your neighbor. Or if you ever need to, you know, contact the HOA, just give me a call. If you get stuck with something, you know, we just build a relationship. But I've, I've talked about um, doing welcome kits, but we've never gotten around to it. Okay. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> it, it can be, yeah, for sure, because a lot of people miss the 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 business from that. Especially if you're gonna if you're in it for a long term, that, that's mm -hmm. definitely a potential business, and you've already had kind of a relationship with them. Uh, yeah. What do you do to protect your area? Do you have people coming in? Like, I'm obviously you're big enough now that people probably don't even want to try to farm your area. But if you're getting started or taking over certain areas, do you do anything to try to other than lock down the, uh, the zip codes and stuff? Are you doing anything else to keep agents out of your areas? No, no. Um, I've always just no, no. I don't. Your business I've, is I've always been very. Yourself. As a matter of fact, I've allowed other agents to market in my newsletters. That's how confident I wow. was. Wow, <laughs> wow, that's awesome. You know, I mean, like, what well, they're going to come and go, yep. and um, I'll give them their free one-line ad. Like, every, you know, I'm not going to try to, you know, dissuade them from that. But you know, I think right thing that will come through. So I, I don't. I don't try to keep them out. Now, I, you know, like I but I do protect it, and I try to lock down as much as I can so they can't get it. Right. But as far as them sending stuff in, no. Everybody just gives me the copies. They're like, oh, look what I got in the mail. <laughs> like, I, yeah. they just give them to me, you know, like, bang. It's, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't do anything on purpose. Okay. So um, if we're going to wrap up quickly. So if you can give us one good gold nugget piece of information. So if someone's thinking about it, if they're getting started or if they want to master it, what's one good takeaway for them? Well, I just think that in real estate, there's always going to be the shiny object. There's always going to be that now business. You know, maybe it's investors, maybe it's REOs, maybe it's the short sale game, whatever it is. But if you want to have a long-term business in real estate, you've got to build it on a stable foundation, which is a database. And whatever you're doing for that database, you have to feed it. And for me, it was farming. Um, you know, that database seems saved, remained very solid over the years. And whether it was a high market, a low market, whatever it was, I was protected because um, I was able to 
you know, get that business, whether it was a short sale or if it was a traditional sale or a buyer, and um, it built that foundation. And so I always tell agents, start something on purpose now. It may not be the thing that's going to bring you, you know, seven deals next month, but it's going to be the thing that builds your business for a long, the long haul. Right. And that's all farming is. And it's just that on-purpose pursuit, that focus, that yeah. hyper-focus. Good. And it's exactly in line with what the niche agent's all about. So I appreciate you being on the show. Um, so the people listening, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you or check out what you're doing? Uh, our website is uh, the, T-H-E, Wemert, W-E-M, ertgroup.com perfect so thank you again for being on the show we appreciate it so if anyone is thinking about doing farming you can check out what they're doing or just take some of these advice or ideas away and if anyone has any questions I can pass them off to you or uh, they can connect with you sounds good appreciate it and thank you again all right take care thanks